I found this interesting. Uh, Derek Bingham, he said, a suicide's body was found floating in a river and a note was written on her person. The note had only two words written on it. They said, do we realize what a word from our tongues can do? It can wreck a local church, mar a child for life, disrupt the harmony of a business office, and it can destroy a marriage. Wow. Mm. They said. Wow. That's how far the tongue will take someone. I want to demonstrate the power of words. So I'm going to say a slogan. You guys say the company. Don't leave home without it. Uh, American Express. Just do it. Nike. Nike. Happiest place on earth. Disneyland. Disneyland. Gives you wings. Red Bull. <laughs> what is it? There's Red some Bull. things money can't buy. Some things money can't some buy. Things MasterCard. Money MasterCard. Forget you guys. Oh. Good things come to life. Oh, in life, life insurance? Way? GE. <laughs> Frozen. GE. <laughs> Frozen. <laughs> Man. I mean, look at that. That's Most of good. those. Yeah, you guys, you guys got them instantly. And it shows the power of words. Someone uh, named Cliff Dickens came up with what he called honest brand slogans. Ikea. We throw in extra parts just to mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> Lays. Flavored air. Maybelline. Maybe it's Photoshop. <laughs> oh, boy. Wikipedia. You're welcome, college students. Perrier. Rich people water. Oh, this is my favorite. Bic. You probably didn't buy it. Get it? Bic. Bic. What's Bic? Pens. Pens. Oh, you stole it. Yes. Yes. Took a, took a minute. <laughs> boomerang pen. <laughs> yes. By the way, friends, we have boomerang pens here at Living Waters. No, seriously, we do. Has thou shalt not steal written on the ballpoint pen. That's so why they're called boomerang. you give it to unsafe people and know they're going to come under conviction for stealing your pen. They come back, right? Oh, I love this one. Gillette. We're just going to keep adding more blades. <laughs> seriously, how many so more can they come out with? That's now? Right. Yeah. Pepsi, where there's no Coke. Oh, Crazy. that's good. Oh. So, yeah, guys, the power of words. We, we underestimate it. I think the power of words is em- uh, demonstrated in Genesis chapter 1. Say it. In the beginning, God created them. Let there be light. Ooh. That is true. Mm-hmm. And there was light. Boy, there was a pregnant pause there for a while. We haven't had a pause that long on our program ever. It was so profound mm. that we just needed to let it sink in. But yeah, Mark, why did you roll a bottle of water towards me? Because I knew that it would distract you. <laughs> of course it'll distract <laughs> you. know you can't me. leave it there, right? It's an there ugly, it filthy, along with Oscar's dead airplane. Look at it this. was this dead probably, after you This is seriously it. probably the worst paper airplane. It worked great for me and Ray. It did. <laughs> Look at it. It's in the hand, that's it because died it's instantly. a plane in the hands of an Arab. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the problem. So, guys, we're talking about words today on the program. And we're using words as well. And we're using words as well. Isn't that crazy? I mean, when you think of words, what in the world are they? There are these, <laughs> there are, there are these vibrations that go out into the air connected with sounds that mean something to but us. But they go into a little ear hole that's got little hammers that hammer out. <laughs> it's just weird. Ears, Life is true. crazy. Speaking I, I found that. this interesting. Uh, Derek Bingham, he said, a suicide's body was found floating in a river. And a note was written on her person. The note had only two words written on it. They said, do we realize what a word from our tongues can do? It can wreck a local church, mar a child for life, disrupt the harmony of a business office, and it can destroy a marriage. Wow. Mm. They said, wow. that's how far the tongue will take someone. 
Yeah, Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those if I'd been the creator, sorry, let finish that Bible verse. I shouldn't have ever talked to you. Um, it's fine. Those, it's only God and those <laughs> and those who love it will eat it. I do that to Rachel sometimes. I'll be listening to scripture and she'll interrupt me. I go interrupting God's word. Wow. <laughs> you, at that point, you say if one gives an answer before he hears it is folly and shame. Oh, I like that one. This is good. Sorry, Ray. You were oh, saying power, if I had been the creator, I would have put the tongue on the foot because it gives more. <laughs> <laughs> it gives more time for you to think about what you're saying because at the moment my brain is so close to my mouth. Mm. Things come out that have been thought about. Yeah. But it wouldn't look that hot and it'd be annoying inside the shoe. <laughs> Our <laughs> shoes have tongues. What are you trying to say? It's it's being, just a minute. It's being muffled by my. <laughs> just you do that playing footsies under the table. <laughs> so my, my, my voice is being muffled by my socks. Sorry, uh, couldn't understand me. Jeff Robinson wrote a book called Taming the Tongue. And in it, he opens with the, the fact that we speak about 10 to 20,000 words a day. And he points out that in Proverbs 10, it says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but wherever restrain, whoever restrains his lips is prudent, which means we have 10 to 20,000 opportunities to sin every single day. But wow. that book only had one chapter. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many words we'd listen to in a day. Well, listen to this. Listen, John MacArthur said this. He says, it's been estimated that from the first good morning to the last good night, the average person engages in 30 conversations a day. Some of you average more than that, some of you less. Statisticians have estimated that each of us will spend 13 years of our life talking, and every day our words could write a book of 50 to 60 pages. In a year, if we're just average, we could author 264 books of over 200 pages just with our words. You can do more than that if you can speak in excess of 300 words per minute as some of us are able to do or if you talk incessantly at any speed. I mean, Ray, that sounds like you cranking out books. <laughs> right. <laughs> like there's is, no tomorrow. Is it true, Ray, that women speak more than men like twice as much? Twice as much. Yeah, and it's because <laughs> men need to be told things <laughs> twice. We know that. Men need to be told things twice. Yes, it's twice. Yeah, where, where would where would we be? So you're trying to get me in trouble, Mark. People listen to Health is Kept Secret. You hear the jokes. <laughs> yeah, but but seriously though, it goes to what James talks about, right? In James three about the tongue, and you think of all that's been tamed, right? Mm-hmm. Every creature of the sea, and, and and I've actually questioned that and really thought deeply: Is everything being tamed? And it really is. You can see killer whales. Yeah. Tamed. Mm. No, it's un- doing un- what unreal. they're told to do and, and you know, wild animals that just full of anger, but they're told what to do with just a chair and a whip. Mm. You know, it's quite amazing. Yeah. And then he and he gives that hyperbole, no one can tame the tongue. You know, so how do you tame the tongue? What does easy do? Oh boy. Bites it. How many times I've wanted to cut this thing off? You know, because I think there's nothing more humbling than the tongue because we think we've mastered it. We think we, we've got it under control. And then the wisest of us, the, the most self-controlled of us, and then boom, there it goes again. A short, man once no said, a short man once said, thoughtless thoughts feed an untamed tongue. Ooh. Mm. Who's a short, short man? man? Are you quoting yourself? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, I wanted to be humble. <laughs> Ray Googles Ray Comfort quotes. That's how he prepares for these. <laughs> yeah. Say that again, Ray, though. That was profound. Uh, thoughtless thoughts feed an untamed tongue. Mm, that's so true. It's it's funny because when people people will say something, they'll loosen their tongue, and then they'll say something afterwards like, I didn't mean that, or mm. I didn't mean to say that, or I don't really feel that way. 
And actually, according to the scriptures, yes, you do. You do feel that way. You did mean that. That was you not being able to hold back your real feelings, your real desires, your real thoughts in that one moment. So where does the enemy come into this where Satan puts, or demons, the spiritual realm, put thoughts into your mind? And cause you to say things. And the reason I'm asking that is because I've had hecklers say the nastiest, angriest things to me when I've been here preaching, and afterwards they'll come and apologize. Also, as though they don't know what got into them. And mm-hmm. I do know what got into them because mm-hmm. I could see it was spiritual. You can see it. But uh, they didn't realize it until afterwards. So yeah. uh, I find that very interesting. Well, I, I take that back to what it says in Ephesians uh, 2. He's a prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Right. And so I think stirring those things up in them. And Ray, you and I joke a lot about how with something so minute, someone can start a world war, you know, just something insulting. Even, I mean, man's pride, as as self-controlled as we might think some of these leaders are, one world leader can say something to another world leader and that can hit their pride in such a big way. And we have fists and words. They have uh, bombs and missiles and red buttons <laughs> to push, you know. But it, it, a, a lot of wars have started because We of have words. a new tongue that's come into our midst. It's called texting where we can yep. say things. Oh, man. And I, I think of the wars that must have been started because of autocorrect. Autocorrect yeah. is like a, a backseat driver who wants to grab the wheel. <laughs> they don't just talk. They grab the wheel and take over because I've gone to send text to people and autocorrect is put something in the line that I didn't say. It's just like a nightmare word. I didn't say that. You know. Yeah. Well, think about our interactions online, social media. I mean, we talk about taming the tongue. We also need to tame our thumbs because so many people interact Do with others. Do you text with your thumbs or your fingers? Uh, well, if I'm on my phone, it's my thumbs. Usually my thumbs. Always? Yeah. yeah. I always use the index. So I wouldn't use my thumb. On your, on your phone? Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the word swipe is so quick. Yeah, I don't do the word swipe. Oh, yeah, I, didn't tap, tap. I do that. But anyways, we, you know, I, I see, and I see people online that interact with others, non-believers over faith, people who don't see their way politically. And these are like seasoned Christians where I'm like, I would never see you talk to somebody like that in person. Yes. But all of a sudden you go online and you turn into a monster. Yeah. You you're just you become this untamed beast. And it's not winsome. It's it's like you can be right in a really wrong way. Huh. And when we let loose of our thumbs, that's exactly what we do. We we could end up being right in a really wrong way. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. And just because you have the ability to speak the truth doesn't mean that you should Perhaps is what you're saying. If you're going to speak the truth, you speak it in love. Right. Be slow to speak in the midst of it, right? Listen to what uh, D.A. Carson said. All of us would be wiser if we would resolve never to put people down except 
on our prayer list. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, good. that's so good. Yeah, I love because this. Because I'm gonna put you down, buddy. You're on the prayer list. <laughs> <laughs> I love the saying that says, talk about it all you please. I'll talk about it on my knees. Yeah. And it gives that perspective of, you know, how much do we take to the Lord in prayer versus talking about it with each other in a fruitless way. Sounds like Larry Parker. I'll, <laughs> I'll pray for you. I'll pray. <laughs> Imagine that, that we would seriously consider the, the power and the impact of prayer versus our words about things that does no good. Mark, are you emulating me right now? No, imitating, it's such flattery. You know, Paul Washer <laughs> said, if we're going to, if he's gonna go to a prayer meeting, don't share prayer requests, just pray. And then we will agree with you because 10, what we tend to do is we share prayer requests for the first 58 minutes and then we take the last two minutes and we pray. He goes, let's, let's turn that back around if it's a true prayer meeting, just pray and we'll agree with you and what you're going through and what you have a, a need for. Paul Washer, I saw a, a meme from him yesterday. I don't think he put it out, but it just said a Valentine's message from Paul Washer. Repent. <laughs> yeah. I, I said that to you and Roses are red, yeah. violets are blue. Oh, Repent. that's right. Yeah. yeah that's and then I, I, I don't know why, you're, why you like this. I'm talking about you. Huh? Yeah. How, can, can oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That was another one I got. So, guys, let's, let's think a little bit on what James said. Well, about, let's even talk about, about it. Yeah, let's talk about it, not let's just think. He says, and, and this is, again, in the whole context of James 3, 1 through 12, where he talks about the tongue. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Yeah. But what's it take to get a forest fire going? A spark, Once one tiny spark that's like almost invisible mm. can decimate. I mean, you guys remember the wildfires we've had here in California, thousands upon thousands of acres with just one spark. Interesting that spark comes from friction. Mm. That's right. Ray, if you got lost in a forest, would you know how to start a fire with flintstones? Or yeah, you just rub two trees together. That's <laughs> <laughs> how to start a big fire. <laughs> two giant trees, not two giant trees. Two giant trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Seriously, I'd love to throw Ray in the middle of a forest and watch him survive. Actually, I would really, I'd really enjoy that. I love initiative. I love Robinson Crusoe. And by the way, Robinson Crusoe was about a godly man on that island. And uh, when they've made movies and written books about other Robinson Crusoes, they've taken the godly stuff out. Why do they twist stuff? Yeah. So yeah, initiative is just terrific. I love it. Yeah, but can you imagine taking- Ingenuity. Imagine taking a 25-year-old today, if you're able to pry them away from the Xbox or PlayStation, throw them in the middle of Big Bear Forest, tell them, find a squirrel, kill it, skin it, gut it, cook it, eat it. Most, I bet you most 25-year-olds would starve to death. The first thing they did is YouTube, what is a squirrel? <laughs> <laughs> Big bear, squirrel. That, there's, there's bears up there. I mean, Big bears. bears up Big there. Bears. I was in Canada once and uh, I was walking through a forest with a guy and a guy says, if you see a bear climb a tree, I said, there's no branches for 20 feet. He says, you won't need them. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I really think that this conversation is so important, especially those who are involved with evangelism and apologetics, because unfortunately... It is so easy in the midst of trying to humbly proclaim the good news of salvation to let our tongues go untamed. Mm. Even if you're not yelling or cursing, when we demonize another person, when we start to debate them in a way where I just want to be right and I'm going to prove that you're wrong and we make them feel smaller, that's a way in which 
we untame our tongue. We let it loose. Thomas Watson said that the Christian studies his own infirmities and another's excellencies. We should always be thinking the benefit of the doubt for the other person. And uh, Alan Jacobs wrote this book, How to Think, and he's got this little bit in it that I thought was just fantastic. And again, think about this in the sense of evangelism and apologetics. He says, we lose something of our humanity by militarizing discussion and debate. And we lose something of our humanity by demonizing the other person. When people cease to be people because they are, to us, merely representatives or mouthpieces of positions we want to eradicate, then we, in our zeal to win, have sacrificed empathy. We have declined the opportunity to understand other people's desires, principles, and fears. And that is a great price to pay for a supposed victory in debate. We cannot take that heart into evangelism. That falls in line with James 1.26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. I love the way the Bible speaks only twice using the word religion, and both times it's in a negative sense. Yeah. Oh, wow. Where's the other one, right? True religion undefiled is this. Yeah. To visit orphans, orphans and, and widows in yeah. distress. To visit orphans. It's, true religion undefiled is this, is to visit awful people. Yeah, that's right. It's the same book here. Yeah, and and this is James as well. Mark, we've seen this quite a bit, haven't we? In apologetics, we've probably even uh, fallen into it ourselves where we get so riled up wanting to win the argument that we can cross that line and forget that these are people we need to win. If you know the ending, you don't have to get riled up. If you know the what? Ending. That's why we watch the <laughs> <laughs> That's Ray's anger deterrent program. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you could remember entering into a conversation that you don't need to win the argument. It's just like marriage, right? You don't always have to be right. Or as the one missionary said, you don't when I when I became a Christian, I didn't always have to be right, first, tops, recognized, regarded, or rewarded. Hmm. We we kind of surrender that at the cross when when we become a Christian. And when we start arguing with a non-believer and we get hostile and we start thinking to themselves, well, they're so dumb. Why can't they see what I'm saying? We lose sight of where Christ has brought us, Mm -hmm. right? Because, but by grace, there go us. And the only difference really between them and us is a bloodstained cross. Mm -hmm. So we need to continually point people back to the Lord. R. Kent Hughes said, the true test of a man's spirituality is not his ability to speak, as we're apt to think, but rather his ability to bridle his tongue. And we would do well to do that in a conversation with someone uh, where we're sharing the gospel. Listen to what they're saying. You win the right to be able to speak inside their life when you're seeking to understand what they're trying to say. Yeah, I want to understand your position. I want to understand where you got that from. And that's one of the questions I ask when I'm talking to someone. Hey, so what do you think happens after we die? They respond. I respond with, where do you get that from? Could you be wrong about that position? If you were wrong about that position, would you want to know that? Hmm. Do you know what the Christian position is concerning that? And then you speak. Boy, I used to be so bad at this. I think that from coming from being an atheist and debating with Christians, I had this debater's mentality where I would use rhetoric and quick one-liners and take joy in making people feel dumb. Could you define rhetoric? Because Uh, that's so often used in reference to especially politics. Yeah. So rhetoric isn't all bad, but rhetoric is a short, pithy, memorable 
one-liners mm. or so. Yeah, that, I think that's is how it, it would be. Is it from rhetorical? Rhetoric. Yeah. The root word. Yeah. Con with. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you finish your thought. I wanted to pick up what Mark said. So I used to, I just, that was my way of debating with Christians. And when I became a Christian, I think I brought a lot of that debate mentality into the way I debated with atheists. I remember specifically a, a friend of mine had a brother who was an atheist and he invited me out to hang out with this guy. And we sat down as a group we debated for like two hours and afterwards, you know, I got pats on the shoulders from friends who were Christians like, man, you should do debates. But later what I realized is that's, that might sound great for people in my own tribe, but I wasn't being winsome. I was making this person feel foolish as a Christian. I was bringing my atheistic ways of debating into my evangelism. You know, it took some time to put that to death and to really want to be winsome and not to just want to win an argument, but really hope and pray that someone might get a glimpse of God's glory. Ooh, I just thought of a good saying. The tongue is the thermometer of the heart. Ooh, on the spot, brilliant. Um, <laughs> no, Spurgeon said it first. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously though, like the, the tongue is the thermometer of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That tells you... What's going on inside, you know? And man, this this a little is... Be, it kind of look kind of weird. <laughs> Big thermometer on your tongue. <laughs> but Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Yeah. So powerful. Further to what Mark was saying about evangelism, it certainly helps to involve yourself or stay with biblical evangelism because yeah. then you stay away from arguments because you're addressing the conscience. Your, yeah. your agenda isn't to win an argument about the existence of God or fallibility of Scripture or whatever. It's just to bring a, a, a knowledge of sin. So, Ray, is that How is would that you what define you, conscience, Ray? Con is with <laughs> science, science is knowledge. knowledge. Ray, is that, is that what you refer to when you say to circum... And navigate the conscience? No. Oh, like, <laughs> no. Circumnavigate the That's how to get, to go to how to get nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so what that can conscience. look like very practically is if somebody is, they're sharing with you and they're sharing all of these objections yeah. and they're just spewing out everything. And you, you look at that and you go, man, all right, so there's a million questions for me to answer here. No, there's really none. You don't need to really deal with any of these objections, any of these questions. Allow them to just vent. And what has worked more times than not, as Ray has done, that reminds me, how many lies have you told over yeah. the course of your life, <laughs> right? Because going for the conscience is going to really bring that knowledge of sin and realize and recognize that they cannot stand before a holy God. It's not their objection that is keeping them out of heaven, right? It's their moral lifestyle or lack thereof. So is that a form mark of addressing what you talked about in another podcast, the ajlanka blakunksiksiks, whatever you called it in the, the brain? The amygdala hijack. Yeah, amygdala hijack. So they're going on and they're in a rage and you just say, hey, by the way. Well, they don't necessarily need, even need to be in a rage, right? They just have all of these questions. Yeah. And you find out how important one of those questions is to them when you answer it. They don't care. They're off right. to the next one. Yeah. Right, well, right. Well, and right. Ray, you do this often where you'll tell people, hey, you'll quote the scripture that for every idle word men may speak, they're going to give account of it in the day of judgment. That's Matthew and Matthew 12. Why do you do that? Because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean you just don't like make it up? It's, it really is to um, highlight the fact that you don't say a word without God knowing about it. Yeah. And he knows the word that's on our tongue, the thought that's in our heart, every 
atom that's flowing through my body, God sees as it's doing, it's holding the whole body together. Nothing is said before the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. Mm. And so that changes it, it everything. It seems to sober people when you say it. Yeah, well, that's what you want because they're drunk on sin and you want to bring sobriety because this is the most important issue they'll ever face. I said to a guy the other day after sharing the gospel, it sounded like the ultimate ego on my part, but I said, this is the most important day of your life. Ooh. If you come to Christ, you'll never regret it throughout the whole of eternity. Your eternity will be dependent on what you do today with the Savior because God's chosen the foolishness of preaching. He's using an earthly vessel to bring a message of everlasting life. So think about what we're talking about. Ooh, that's really, really heavy. It's not just what we say, it's also how we say it. And what do you we, mean by that? We've, we've already cited Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. What, can you define some harsh words? Can you give me some? A blankety blank. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> so any, any word could be harsh. It's the way it's said. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another aspect of taming the tongue is in gossip. Gossip is another form of an untamed tongue. And maybe we, we really should just do an entire podcast on gossip because the reality is that often we will use gossip, we will bring down the image bearing quality of another person through the act of gossip. And gossip isn't just saying things that might not be true. It's also not recognizing the image bearing qualities. Another, we said in many podcasts ago that gossip would also include the way we talk about celebrities or politicians. Yeah. Like often our untamed tongue will come out of the angry of whatever political atmosphere might be around us. And all of a sudden we're treating XYZ politician as a characterization and we're diminishing the image qualities of that person. We forget that they are an image bearer in God. And it's interesting because when we hear something said bad about someone we admire, we're slow to speak. We think to ourselves, that can't be right. I admire that person. Mm, right. But when we hear something said bad about someone who we might be suspicious of, we assume that it's at least half true. That's a gossipy tongue wanting to say something poorly about someone that we are suspicious of. And the sad thing is that may be half true, but it's not the whole truth. Yeah. Mm. Careful what truth, which half you get. I have a friend that says, you know, I hate, 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 detest. I hate repeating gossip. So listen very carefully the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's terrible, man. You know, Oscar, I, I remember distinctly. I don't know if I made it up. <laughs> it's Mark it who says up. it. Oscar, I do remember you distinctly mentioning that in the episode that we did on uh, the cussing Christian, mm. where you talked about that. Like, are we also careful about what we're saying about those that may be the quote unquote untouchables? And we just think they're, they're immune from gossip because, well, everyone knows them. But no, what are we saying about people? How are we saying it about them? And... Are we honoring the Lord in our speech? I, I can't help but think when we talk evil of politicians who are evil, honor all men. That scripture just mm, right. often comes to mind, honor all men. You can't get around it. They've got to be honored. Uh, so you may disagree with them politically, but careful with our bad Yeah, talk. Titus 3, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, right. to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. It's really good having you around, Easy. It's like saying, Siri, tell me this verse. <laughs> Easy, tell me this verse. Oh, man. Well, it's convicting too because when you hide God's word in your heart, then you're oftentimes faced with how you're violating it. 
Mm. And it's convicting. I mean, we've had many talks about that in our own home because you just slip into it. You just start talking about this and then you start saying that. It's like, wait a minute, the Lord is here. And this is what his word says. We can't talk like that. There's just something dirty about it. But it honestly, I would say is probably the biggest sin. The, the, well, let me put it this way. The most consistent sin of Christians. I agree. It's gossiping. It's saying things who, we shouldn't who, say about people. Who, who are you talking about specifically? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> Sister, blah, 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 brother, blah, blah, so. Yeah, I, anytime I hear it happen. Hey, those were very nice names, by the way. That was awful. That deserved some kind of, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I repeat to myself whenever I hear somebody talking poorly about a politician, I will say image bearer image bearer. Mm. I'm not saying that to convict them. I'm saying that to remind me not to join them in it yeah. because I, I feel the frustration. I probably feel the same way they do, but I don't want to join them in that, in yeah. that talk. When you're at loggerheads politically with the party that's in, it's not as easy to pray for them, but we need to pray for them that we continue to live peaceable and godly lives. Yeah, That's what our prayer should be. Right. Amen. Yeah. And Proverbs twenty one twenty three. whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. That was our Bible verse for like 20 years at home. <laughs> I made sure they knew that one. And it certainly is true. Again, we already cited in a multitude of words, transgression is unavoidable. Your words just get you into trouble. Just a little slip of the tongue, a little this, a little that. And it always comes back to haunt you. I've seen it time and time again. I've fallen victim to it. In my life, I've always tried to be very careful how much I convey between people because that leads to so much. Maybe you misunderstood. Maybe that's not what they really meant. But beyond all that, what good is it going to do? You know, when you have a loving heart, you're trying to keep you're trying to keep explosions from happening. Mm. There's something in our wicked heart that likes to see drama. Yeah. And that's often behind so many things. I love the illustration that talks about the guy who was gossiped against. And then I think it was a woman who gossiped against her pastor. And then he, he took her and he took a pillow and he told her, hey, spread these feathers all across town. And then he said, now go ahead and collect them. She's like, that's impossible to find them all again. And that's how it is. Once gossip gets out, it's Oof. hard to retract it. You can't pull it back. Gossip is like a live hand grenade with a pin pulled out. Just hand it back to the person that gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But it destroys reputations. Yeah. Even, even if that wasn't true, how's that person going to be able to go back to everyone and write that wrong or, or correct that record rather? And there's honestly more revealing truth about you who is gossiping than about the person you're gossiping about. And what's that saying? He who gossips to you will gossip about you. Right. Mm. Oh, that's good. Well, guys, we've talked a lot about the negative elements of the tongue. <laughs> the, the negative <laughs> elements of gossip. Pretty Let's much. talk about the positive elements of gossip. <laughs> what are the great things about gossip, brothers? <laughs> I love Proverbs twenty five eleven. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Oof. I love that the beauty of that. But what are what are ways we can use our tongues to build up, like, Ray! Uh, yes, Ray Comfort. The gospel. <laughs> Attain, contains the word I'm gossip. I'm so shocked. <laughs> contains part of the word gossip. Yes, but it's a good gossip, gospel. Yeah, yeah, preaching the gospel to others. Ray, have you ever regretted preaching the gospel? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> just trying to I often do. No, I, there, I, I just wanted to think about it before I answer. Have I ever done anything that I regret? No, 
Um, I, there's been times when I put my foot in my mouth and it hasn't, you know, things haven't worked out. Prove it's it. become awkward. It was in Australia in a, in a, right? in a hip on Australia. I tried to witness to a guy and it just went so bad. It was like God says, I'm not even going to help you here so you can feel what it's like. <laughs> and I felt what it was like. I was just like, had no oxygen in a tank and I just sort of stopped. Wow. That was good because it's made me appreciate when I've had help. Are you guys aware when, you've, when you're preaching, if you've got God's help or when you haven't, you're absolutely floundering when he leaves you by yourself. Oh, man. And other times you just feel like you take a bite out of heaven because there's such confidence mm-hmm. and clarity of thought and you just know God's helping you. Mark, how powerful is encouragement? Like mm. looking into someone's face and seeing their expression when you tell them something positive about them that builds them up. And it's almost magical. <laughs> Oscar's putting his face to Mark waiting to hear something. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody once said for every negative thing we hear, we need seven encouraging uh, words. Boy, that's so true when you're giving out tracks or something. You get one turndown after 6,000 given out, and you, all you can remember is the turndown. You need a black stallion, you just get right back up on the horse yes, and keep going. Yes, get back on the horse. No. Yeah, we, we, we need to encourage one another while there's still daylight. This we need to good, speak Mark. to one another in spiritual <laughs> songs and hymns, making melody inside of our heart, recognizing and realizing that uh, joy is different than happiness and that uh, our name's written in heaven. Mm. And we need to encourage people that are going through things. You know, we have friends that are continually going through difficult things. Somebody once said the hardest trial you'll ever go through is the one you're going through right now until tomorrow hits. Yeah. And then I had a friend who was going through a hard time, and uh, she said, you know, I'd like to correct that. The hardest trial you'll ever go through is the one you're going through when your eyes are not focused on the Lord. Wow. So what we do is we come alongside people and we all we're doing is we're pointers. We're glorified pointers. We're pointing people to the Lord. Mm. And that doesn't mean that we are uh, filled with a lot of words. You know, the, the best uh, speakers are often just the best engaged listeners, knowing how to ask good questions. You know, what do you mean by that? What were you going through with that? Were you able to handle that with the Lord? So you went through that. How did you get through that? Mm-hmm. How did the Lord lead you through that? Oh. And you're just asking good leading questions and allowing them to be able to share. Mm. You ever thought about the word encouragement, broken it down? You're putting courage in people. Nice. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I think that whether it's toward our kids or toward our wives, our friends. How or many wives you got? Many, many. You only know about your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) No man can serve two masters easy. You know that. Yes, very true. But you know, I I I think about that, and I think how often do we really proactively and with intentionality speak words of encouragement? Why can't we plan those? I mean, what's wrong with planning those? Like, have a page of notes on your phone and just say, "Hey, these are things that I've seen in my wife, my kids, my friends, my pastor." that I can encourage them in. And isn't it amazing when you regularly speak encouragement, how much more palatable your exhortations will become? You I'm going to send a text to my wife right now encouraging her. <laughs> Good, Mark. It's That's bearing say, fruit right away. Be encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but I'm <laughs> saying. I'm coming home soon. <laughs> but, but it does. It's almost like, you know what Jesus said? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm. When I give an encouragement, I feel so blessed when I see what it does to the person. But don't you think, Oscar, that when we lavish people with encouragement and not making up lies, not flattery for sure, but true things about them, doesn't it make those times when we have to correct them, just times where they can receive better from us? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. I think 
We talked often about the fallen nature of the people on this podcast, but another aspect of humanity is that we are image bearers of God. And so there are certain qualities that each of us have that God has given to us that should be built up and encouraged. And when you have the ability to not only see those good qualities in other people, but you have the desire to build them up and lift them up through encouragement, then you empower that person. And what you tell that person subconsciously is that this person knows me. Mm-hmm. And if they know my good, then they probably also know my bad too. And then that that welcome, that rebuke is more easily accepted and welcome because they're not just seeing me for the things that I do wrong. My family has this practice where we, with the kids, a couple times a year, we'll, instead of a devotion, we'll sit down in a circle, Indian style on the floor, and we'll say three things that we love about the person next to us. Mm. The last time we did it, I said something to one of my kids that I love about them, that I see about them, and they got teary-eyed. Mm-hmm. And it took me back and I wanted to, like, I was wondering why and I couldn't help but wonder if like, I don't know, did they, were they edified in that moment? Did they not realize that thing about themselves? Yeah. And for a father to speak that into them and, and I've seen nothing but them flourish in that strength that was identified that night. Wow. That's the power that we have through encouraging other people. Life and death, man, yeah. the power of the tongue. Yeah, and I think when we quote Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, we kind of focus on that. We forget the other part, but only such as is good for building up or edification as it fits the occasion. And it may give grace to the hearers. We can give grace, we can build up, we can edify with our words. And it just takes some intentionality. We're often on cruise mode. Most of the things I think we say are in the realm of complaining, murmuring, hmm. grumbling. The other portion is probably gossiping and saying things we shouldn't be saying. But if we try to reverse that and say, no, I'm going to be intentional about building up. I mean, look, I've experienced it. There's times when I'm hanging out with friends and we're just, we're talking nonsense. Kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. Not that we do that here on this program or anything. But no, really, I walk away with this distinct feeling of emptiness. Hmm. I feel hollow. And then I walk away from those times when I was proactive or they were proactive and intentional and speaking about the Lord and fellowshipping and building up and encouraging. And I walk away full. That's good. You know? And so we, we just, we need to really, really The foolish jesting that. and the giving of thanks. I think the scriptures make that thing. Yeah. Put aside foolish jesting and, and rather giving of thanks. Yeah, that's really good. That's some of the book of scripture. But first Peter 3.10, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil mm-hmm. and his lips from speaking deceit. Yeah, man, good days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, if we grabbed hold of that scripture, we would instigate it because it's for our own good. Yeah. yeah. And then as we start to, to close up here, I, I just want to say Does that, that- mean anything? No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, what do you say, Ray? A meaningless preacher's statement. That's it. As we begin to draw to a close. Yeah, it's amazing. Let's preach <laughs> Communication, despite what we feel, has a real kind of love angle, I call it, which means that we sometimes need to do it because we love people. And, and there's nonverbal communication. It goes, just beyond, it goes beyond just what we say. I love this thing that I found. This is by uh, Alexandra Kuykendall. A nonverbal communication can make a huge difference in how a question is received. 
Only 7% of what we say is conveyed through words, 38% through vocal element, which is tone, and the remainder through nonverbal indicators like eye contact, body posture, and so on. Though these exact numbers are often disputed, it's generally agreed that body language and tone of voice matter in communication. So it seems we should pay attention to them, leaning your body in toward the other person, making eye contact, even touching someone on the arm, if appropriate, can convey care when asking a question. Uncrossing arms and legs gives a sense of openness, while crossed arms can project hostility. Facial expression will be determined in part by the question being asked, but generally smiling and relaxing the face offers a countenance that encourages conversation. Well, that's great. Wow, that's so a, glad just, you that. just terrific during a time of masks. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, okay. That, I'm glad you brought that up, Ray. That's one of the most annoying things. The lady who cuts my hair, I don't even know what she looks like. I've been going there for about a year. I don't know. If I saw her in the street, I wouldn't even know who she is. You Isn't know? it funny? I don't know if you guys do this, but when I have to wear a mask, I feel like I overemphasize my eyebrows. Like, <laughs> exactly. Thank you so hey. much. I'm like, yeah, yeah, smile you don't know if someone's smiling or not. Or someone's going to come out and say those masks are bad for you one day. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, I heard you once say you can get away with anything with your wife as long as you you can get away with saying anything to your wife as long as you finish it off with precious yes that's right <laughs> oh that comes from i was staying at someone's house and i itinerated back in new zealand and along a hallway there was a married couple that the pastor i was staying with and i heard them having an argument i was way down the other end of the hall i was in my room wasn't particularly listening but she said we'll take the brown suitcase Precious. And he said, <laughs> no, we won't, Precious. <laughs> and it's always stuck with me. You can say anything you want. You get out the road, sweetheart. My Precious. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to do, <laughs> sweetheart. Precious. That meal was horrible. My Precious. My precious. <laughs> was started when you think. John Broger said, your words and the manner in which you speak are critical to harmonious relationships. As you learn to speak the truth in love, you must also determine when to speak how to speak in an edifying manner, and to whom you should speak. The power of your words is enormous, and they also show the condition of your heart. Even your idle words will be accounted for in the day of judgment, like we talked about already. Man, all this talk about speaking the tongue makes me realize how thankful I am for the words that God has spoken. Mm. First in Genesis, that he spoke all things into being, that he didn't need to muster up or create some sort of concoction to create. He simply spoke and all that has been created was created. Or to think about like the words that Jesus used when it is our sins that is putting him up there on that cross, he says, forgive them. Those are the words that he used on our behalf. Wow. Forgive them. And then as he was dying on the cross, he also said, it is finished. Mm-hmm. And so to know that all of my sins, that all of the times that my tongue has been untamed, that God has spoken words so much better and so much more beautiful that has freed my soul from <laughs> condemnation. Amen. Yeah. You know, the power of words related to truth and the gospel, and also sometimes holding back our words and letting our lives have impact. And I'm not talking about the whole, <laughs> Ray, you wrote an article once called Francis a Sissy with a question mark. Was, was Francis a Sissy? Yeah, it was Francis a Sissy. Yeah, the Fran- it's the whole Francis of Assisi thing that people, and no one's been able to verify he actually said it, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. But I'm talking about just our it's lives. It's such a dumb saying. Yeah. Breathe and if necessary, uh, use oxygen. <laughs> right. But this is powerful though, in terms of a life that conforms to what words we may use at times. But Philip Brooks says, the man 
man who lives right and is right has more power in his silence than another has by his words. Mm-hmm. So there is that power in, in the way that we live and what we do. And people might like to know after this program, we're gonna have some silence. <laughs> Love I'm gonna have silence. some chocolate. Yeah, and then Thomas Brooks, ooh, we know metal by their tinkling and men by their talking. Wow. Pretty good. That, that is huge. And for those of you that are listening right now who are leaders, and we're all leaders to some degree, right? You're a parent, you're a leader. If you're a husband, you're a leader. If you're a wife, leading your children, you're a leader. Anyone in whose life we can have influence gives us some degree of leadership. And uh, Gene Getz said, a leader should be able to communicate in a non-argumentative, non-defensive, and non-threatening way, demonstrating gentleness, patience, and teachability without compromising the message of the word of God. Mm -hmm. Mark, what do you think about that? Yeah, Mark, as you're scrambling for chocolate, as you and Ray were fighting over chocolates, see your actions. Your actions, guys. I'm thankful for They speak louder than words. So there you have it, friends. And you want to check out, speaking of wisdom, Ray's book, Think on These Things, a devotional through the Proverbs. Uh, You've heard us quote a lot of Proverbs today. And uh, that's because uh, there's so much wisdom in them, especially related to the tongue. So make sure to get that book at livingwaters.com. Mark, did you want to say anything before we close? uh, Yeah, he drinks water. (laughs) And then make sure also, friends, uh, podcast at livingwaters.com. Send in your suggestions, your thoughts, uh, comments, uh, show ideas, topics. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating, a comment, share it with others. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) on the living waters, Mark left to go eat chocolate or do what? Mm. Podcast. Podcast. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too, those of you who are listening. Just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.